Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarthy, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello, good morning and welcome to another edition of The Plotting Shed. You are listening to me, Rachel McCartane. I hope the world is wonderful where you are. Spring is finally here. Oh, it's so nice, isn't it? I was sitting outside in my little sunbathing spot beside the house. We have a little area between the garage and the house and it faces due south and no wind can get into it, which is really nice at this time of the year. And I just sat there being like a gecko lizard a couple of days ago, just with the sun on my face and my eyes closed thinking, yeah, it's just getting a bit warmer. Oh, can't wait. So, This week's topic follows on from last week's, which was all about formal gardens, how we create formal gardens and how I think and how I believe that people choose a lot of the time to have these formal gardens under a misconception that actually they're easier to look after and neater and tidier and generally better than the informal or unstructured gardens. So I wanted to talk this week about what I think these are and how you create them because they do need planning. They're not completely unstructured gardens. There is an awful lot of thought process that goes in behind. If we talk about an informal garden, then most people's vision will come up and something of this will fall into the following categories that it would be classed as a wildlife garden or a a natural nature friendly garden. People might use the word romantic or the ubiquitous cottage style garden. And there we are instantly, all of you are sitting there with this vision that's popping up in your head of this beautiful garden with sweeping borders and immaculate green grass and it's soft rain and nice dappled sunlight and all the plants are standing vertical and there is this bucolic mix of beautiful flowers all tending to be at the blue or pink purple white end of the spectrum. It's lush, it's green, there's a soft buzzing noise of bees flitting in and out of flowers and it's it's a vision of loveliness isn't it? It looks like the garden has just evolved. The plants have just worked out how to put themselves here and they've all grown up beautifully and everything's behaving itself. The main feeling of these informal gardens is that the garden itself, the flowers, the plants, these are the the showstoppers. This is what it's all about. There is very little in the way of hard landscaping structures. It's almost as though the garden, the grass, the the paths through have been cut out of a a field of flowers and you're just walking through. So it's the opposite to the formal 
structured gardens because there the plants have a prescribed place to be and a way to behave whereas here it's almost like they're free-range organic chickens they're just roaming around and they find their own thing and the inference with these gardens is that it's all just happened naturally and it looks this beautiful just because it does well sadly and i don't want to pop anyone's bubbles but of course it doesn't work that way nature is brilliant at creating vistas and views and and landscapes and planting and everything else but it's had millions of years of expertise to get it just right and then us mere mortals come into our little back garden and think ah yeah we want to create this really unstructured informal natural looking garden and we try and recreate nature without thinking about it we end up with a bit of a wibbly wobbly amoeba shaped blob like looking thing with plants and flowers it doesn't quite hit the mark so why why is it hard to recreate something that looks so natural well there are some rules about informal gardens and how you structure the planting and what you what you do now the nice thing is that there aren't really too many rules it's all about having a color scheme and a planting theme that really pushes your buttons you can you have everything in there that you want to have but it's a question of how you put it together now this is where we go back to the victorians because they did understand when it comes to clothes the basic principle that if you shoehorn everything into a corset and you structure it that corset so it holds everything together nothing can escape whatever you put on top will look good and hang right and as a piece of clothing it will enhance the person that's wearing it the bit they got wrong obviously was that a 19 inch waist and hypoxia are not the good side effects that you want but the the principle being that if the internal corsetry is right whatever you wear looks good and this is the underlying fundamental feature of an informal garden you've got to get your corsetry on point otherwise everything flops over and it all looks a bit of a mess now the way that you go about planning the layout of a natural or informal looking garden is twofold you've got the planting structure of the borders and the beds and what you put in them and then you've got the other bits now these other bits in a garden will be your utility areas they'll be your lawn area there you'll be your seating areas and the key thing about an informal garden it is how you link the areas because you want it to appear that your seating area your patio your lawn has been cut out of this beautiful tapestry of plants so how you get between the areas is key that's the journey that you need to take from one to the other now there is no rule that says you have to have a square lawn or a circular lawn or an oval shaped lawn or a half moon or this or that or whatever 
this is the nice bit about informal gardens. You make the shapes that you want, but the journey between them has to be sensible. It has to feel right. And secondly, you also have to think like Mother Nature. How would nature get from here to there? And the best way to think about that is to think like a river. Rivers meander through the landscape. They hit obstacles and they go round them. Then physics and water flow and erosion might create oxbow lakes and those great looping meanders of the rivers, or they might take a fairly direct path if there are no obstacles in the way. So if you have in your garden your seating area and your lawn, think like a river in terms of how you would join the two together. Is it going to be a relatively straight path through? Or would the river meet an obstacle and have to go round it to get to this path? And if you think like a river, you'll get the right kind of flow through the garden. And if you wibble wobble it, you're giving this pseudo look of nature and you're just not creating the right image. So there are two things. Think like a river. And when you're doing it and sitting in your favourite part of the garden and looking out, you also have to be able to, how would nature do this? Because your garden also will sit in the wider landscape. And when you look at a view and the wider landscape, there are different things. There are different elements. There's the near ground, there's the mid ground, there's the distance. And nature has this way of linking them because there are similarities from the near ground to the distance. It's similar colour greens maybe, or the plants follow the contours of the hill that you can see the hills in the background and the near ground, the plants undulate and move so you can link distance to near. And although it, obviously it's in a smaller scale in, a, in your garden, you need to sit and think that there has to be a similarity between one end and the other end, otherwise it'll seem rather false. And the way that you do that is you repeat plant. So you'll have something here that you can see in the middle distance and that you can see at the end of the garden. So it links everything together. Think how Mother Nature would do it and think like a river when you move through the garden. But then we've got the planting bit. Now, this is always for most inexperienced or less experienced or non-dedicated gardeners, the hard bit because there doesn't appear to be a formal structure. Everything just seems to merge together like a tapestry. And in the gardens that you see in the pictures and the magazines and the designer gardens and the show gardens, they do this brilliantly because they've planned it. And this is how you plan the planting, the little bit of military precision, because plants, unlike objects in the house, grow up, die down, change shape, change colour, die off, and there, there is a constant state of flux. So you need to think about how the border is going to, should we say, do this dance throughout the season in order to make sure that the bed that you're creating performs for as much of the year as possible. And often too much 
concentration and too much emphasis is placed on one season, which is the summer. If you throw all your attention at the summer, the flower bed looks fantastic for two months of the year. It's a bit of a letdown for the other 10 when you're waiting for it to do its thing. So it has to have a little bit of longevity. So the way I do it is this. I use a boxes scheme. Now, terrible plug, but it's all in my book that you can get, which is I Want to Like My Garden by Rachel McCartane. And there's a section in the book on planting with boxes. And there's a section at the back of the book where I have assigned box shapes to a whole load of plants so that you can use the similar method in planning your borders. And essentially what it is, it's this. You need to look at the, the shape of the space that the plant is going to use. Now, a round blob of a plant does not use a round blob of a space. It actually occupies a cube. Taller plants can occupy columns. There are shorter, flatter plants plants that occupy a cereal box shape if it's sort of tipped over on its side and what this means if you can actually assign shapes to the plants you can create the border using boxes because it's much easier to design with then you get this kind of cityscape so you've got low boxes and high boxes and big square boxes and tall narrow columns and various things and it's much easier to see what the border will do if you think in terms of boxes because then there are some plants that die down in the winter time so you get holes in the plant in that boxes scheme and it's just an easy way to kind of visualize how the border will grow and, and ebb and flow so these boxes will come up and they'll go down and the plants that die down in the winter and leave the holes that's where you put bulbs in and the bulbs come up in the spring and early and late spring before everything else gets going so that you fill that space with something else. Then because you can then colour the boxes in different colours because then what you've got is you have this rough sketch which has got tall pink boxes, short flat white ones, darker pink ones, got a couple boxes that disappear in the winter time that you've then got bulbs in and that then makes it easy for you to go and find plants that fit the job description you need them to do. One of the, the, the hardest things is choosing plants and if you're not a good experienced gardener or you, you don't have much plant knowledge, most of you will walk into a garden centre and go wandering up and down the aisles because they're all laid out alphabetically aren't they because that's it makes it easy you can find the plants well that's great if you know what you're looking for but it's not great if you don't know what you're looking for you start at a and you go wandering up and down and what happens you go wandering from a down to b and down to d and h and all the rest of it and you stop at a plant and go oh that's pretty i'll buy that and then you wander from H over to K and M and S and T. Oh, there's another one. I like that one. And I'll put that one in the basket. And you end up with this pick and mix approach. So what I'm suggesting is that you walk into the garden centre with a vision in your head that says, I need a box that gets to about 60 centimetres wide by, by about 60 centimetres tall that has pink flowers 
and doesn't die down in the winter. Now, you can then walk around the garden centre because you have a job description and you can find a plant that fits that job description. So it's giving you an ability to choose plants that you already know what you want them to do so that then when you take them back, they will do the job that you need them to do because that's naturally how they grow and what they do anyway. So as I said, all of that's in, in the book. So you can find all those sorts of shapes and various things, but it's a really simple method. Now, the last bit that you need to think about with creating this informal design is that, as I said, you've got areas in the garden that you will sit in, that there's a lawn area, there may be a utility area, and it's the journey that you take between these areas that defines the informality of the garden. But when you're on your journey, on your path between one and another and another part of the garden, you have to make the paths interesting because then it makes it a journey, doesn't it? If there's nothing there and you just go from one to the other, then the garden won't capture your attention. So the paths themselves have to be interesting. And how do you make them interesting? Well, you make them interesting because you want to have something to look at or there is something to do as you're going down the path. There may be some flowers that you enjoy looking at and the way that you enjoy looking at them is that you're going through an archway and then they're right in your line of vision. So that makes it a little bit more of an interesting journey. It might be on your journey from the patio to the lawn area that there is something that smells amazing. So you want to stop and sniff it or touch the leaves because it's it releases the scent. You will have things that you might, interesting objects that you might have put in the path. You know, your favourite gnome, Mr Bentley, is sitting there doing his little thing and he always makes you smile as you walk past it. Or you might have the collection of stones that, some, that you found that have got beautiful shapes and you've put those somewhere on your journey. Think about what will capture your attention and make you interested as you walk along through the garden. If you want a natural informal garden, you have to think like nature and you have to work out how nature would create this particular flow from one to the other. You repeat plant a lot because that, that's what nature would do. A plant grows somewhere in a, in, out, out in the countryside and the wind pollination will naturally spread that plant to other parts within its vicinity. So if you've only just got one of them in the garden, it always looks a bit odd because that's not what nature would do. It would set seed, plants would transmit seed, the wind would drop seed, it would appear somewhere else in the near distance. Think like a river when you're making your paths. How would water flow through the garden? Because that would be a natural way for me to walk through a garden. Don't impose an unnatural shape. And lastly, make your journeys interesting. Things that will make you stop and look and delve into that little space 
on the path that you're walking down from one to the other and then it all helps you create a much more informal natural feel and if you can plan the borders by using this box scheme it really is a lot easier because you don't need to know what plants to find you know what shape and color you need to find and it's much easier then to either go on google and go i want a tall thin white flowered plant that gets to one meter twenty high and you will probably find there are some plants that pop up that will fit that bill and it makes it easier for you to create a garden when you don't know much about plants and you don't know much about gardening so i hope that's helped next week we are looking at in more detail about how we can really give a garden border some impact and some wow factor and how you make them stand out in a garden how you make your border brilliant so i look forward to talking to you next week in the meantime stay safe stay well and have a lovely week bye for now well thank you for listening you have been listening to rachel mccartain of the plotting shed if you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download, you can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look, and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.